that um, people probably would have not thought it was cool if we called if we called the demo Kentucky Straight Edge. That just for some I don't for some reason that just doesn't sound nearly as cool. So I'm. drinking they're not smoking and that's totally cool but they can totally enjoy the bands get in the pit and the best thing is not throw up on people thank you so much everyone for tuning in this is another episode of the scoped exposure podcast we go from the Western Canada bracket to the Midwest bracket of the states, and we're going to be talking with the man, the myth, the legend, the rumble from down under on the base side, uh, Kayla Murphy from Inclination. Thanks for coming on the show, my guy. Sorry, you froze. Hey, man. Good to be here. <laughs> as soon as I was introing you, I was like, "Oh, was that intro not good enough? I don't know." <laughs> it's it's all good. The audio chopped out a little bit too, but I think it's okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Caleb, I, I've been starting these episodes a little bit with the why about why I'm having this person on the show. And, uh, you know, I've, you know, you're not the first inclination, uh, focused podcast that I've done. You know, we've done an episode with Isaac, we've done an episode with Tyler. And, uh, I think since when I had Tyler on, which was, I can't even remember, it was like maybe 150. We're in like the 180 bracket at this point. Um, it was just before the, the two new songs dropped and it was just immediately right. like, uh, okay, I need to have another one. But I think an extra reason <laughs> of, uh, of doing this podcast is Tyler reached out about the, um, LDB records comp that he's been working on. And, um, you know, so it's a little bit of a tease because it will, it will be played at the very end of this episode. Uh, but the inclination song from that comp will be played at the end. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be chatting about that, but, uh, you know, it's, I'm sure a lot of people might be skipping to the end of the episode just to listen to that, but the real ones stay here, listen to the full chat, and then we're going to be listening to that. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been a big fan of yours for uh, a long ass time through all the other projects that you've been in. Um, I know that some of the other bands have come through Western Canada and played a bunch of shows and just been, you know, kind of just always on my mind of like having you as someone on the guest uh, to be a guest on the show. And here we are. So I really appreciate you making some time for us today. Yeah, man. It's a pleasure. Happy to be here. I appreciate it. So. Yeah, of course. Before we get into the music chats, we have to check some bevs. So it's tradition for the guests to go first. So tell me what you're going to be sipping on throughout the episode. So uh, I've got, so I live in Lexington, Kentucky. It's not not Louisville. It's more central Kentucky. And I have what is affectionately referred to as Winchester Creek water. It is uh, a soda called Ale 8. It is manufactured and bottled in Winchester, Kentucky. It is... um, it's like a citrusy ginger soda that's also caffeinated, and it's delicious. Uh, it's best out of the glass bottle. It's the way to go. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's delicious. So yeah, I need and, some caffeine. And, been a long, been yeah. a long day. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I I have to give props to any guest that comes on the podcast that doesn't have the bev cracked and they've already taken a bunch of sips you were like i have it ready to go you know so we're getting the you know official that (laughs) i thought about it because there's a whole sixer in the fridge but uh 
you know, I figured I figured I'd wait to do it officially. Yeah, is it one of those uh, twist tops, or you have to have like a bottle opener of some kind? Or are you gonna just it, like it twists, bite it, it off? It, I don't it, know. Just like no, it, it <laughs> twists off. Thankfully, I, I don't have a bottle opener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always like the one thing. It's like sometimes if it's a soda or or anything else, you're just like, oh, I this is not a twist, and I'm out in the wilderness <laughs> or whatever. So, um, no, that's a good point. Um, I I'm. I'm big on the branding of, of that bottle. I feel, I feel like it's very, um, um, on point and, uh, calculated. So that's sick. Um, I am drinking, uh, I'm sure you can probably see a number of the liquid death that is sitting behind me. So I'm going to be drinking one of those today. Um, it's just straight up tap water. Um, it was very funny because just before this I had, um, uh, for my younger pup, we had like her first session of like doggy training and uh, on the email, it was like, oh yeah, bring, you know, some water for, for your dog. And I just, I'm so used to like, if I need to like, just have water on the go versus I have to put it in a, in a Tupperware and then screw it. And then it's leaking. I'm like, oh, I'll just bring yeah. the liquid death with me. But then I get to the class. I'm like, <laughs> I feel the eyes of like, are you drinking a beer? at this doggy yeah. training session and i'm like no yeah. this is just water and i like open it up and i'm like pouring it out for her and then the 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 instructor stops mid like you know teaching she's like oh that's water that's <laughs> like all right uh, there's like there's a lot of people within the music world that know about this and the brand and all that kind of stuff but you know i always forget that normies just see this and think it's a giant medello that i'm just like i'm just drinking, i mean feeding it's uh it's it's a fair it's a fair assumption based on looks i haven't um i've had the normal one but i haven't had any of the sparkling ones yet i need to i need to find those somewhere and uh house them for their good yeah i uh it was so funny when they started the 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 flavored sparkling ones i got like pinged Mm -hmm. so many times being like have you had this have you had this but it hasn't (laughs) hit canada yet and the i was in california for work at the beginning of march couldn't find it um I didn't have as much time to look high and low for it. And then when I was in California, this last trip, it was like my mission, like any off time I had to like hit every 7-Eleven that I could. And uh, I luckily <laughs> was able to to try all the three flavors. So I, I'm, I'm up to speed on, uh, on what's the liquid the, what's What's the ranking on the, on the three flavors? What do you got? Okay. So for the folks at home that don't know, there's Severed Lime, Chainsaw Mango, and um buried alive so it's like a mixed berry kind of thing i think the severed lime is the top one mixed berry is second and mango is third and i and i might catch some heat for this because a lot of people have very differing opinions on it but i think severed lime takes the cake because i think lime is the safest sparkling water flavor um, I feel like it's the easiest I th- I to think, get right. I think anything citrusy is is probably pretty safe, really, as far mm-hmm. as far as that goes. Yeah. So that that would be my ranking. Um, so if you are on the hunt later this weekend or you know sometime in the future, listening to this, you'd be like, that would be the one to to go after. It, to be fair, the severed line was the hardest to find. It was the last of the three that mm. I was able to locate. It it would be my first choice too. That'd be the first yeah. one I'd try. Well, I'm going to cra- crack, crack this. Crack them open? Yes. All right. In, in sync? All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. 
Oh, yours looked way cooler. It was just... <laughs> Cheers to you, my guy. Okay, well, uh, you know, we, we've talked Bevs for the first, you know, at least five minutes with this podcast, so now we can move on to some of the music chats. Sometimes I'm always like, Let's is, get this down to too, it. is this too punishing for anyone that's like, doesn't no, like beverage? No, I mean, <laughs> I, I think... <laughs> I, I think anyone that knows me knows uh, I, I I'm a beverage enthusiast. I'm always on the hunt for like what's what's good, and I want to try new stuff all the time. So this is uh I'm I'm into it. I like it. I think it's I think it's a good opener. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, it I it unintentionally is like the the nice icebreaker of this show, and it was it didn't start that way. It was like oh, I'll just have this in a way that I can combine these passions of mine. But it's nice to be able to like you know learn about you know, Isaac's like love of, you know, hot chocolate and how, you know, he feels. Like- oh, he loves it. He's a, he's an <laughs> ab dude. I, he's an absolute fiend. So there's, um, I can't remember if I've taken Isaac, Isaac, Isaac here or not, but there's a, there's a place in town here in Lexington. It's called the chocolate holler. Um, okay. and they only make hot chocolate. They do like these crazy flavors. They do it hot or iced. And they have a bunch of iced hot ones. chocolate is so dope. dude. It's, I don't. I can't remember if I've taken there or not, and shame on me if I haven't. But it's it's pretty it's pretty great. I okay. I this is why I'm really glad that I have Jordan cutting between because I have to check this because we're on this topic. Um, Calgary, because I know you guys are going to be playing here for Wild Rose. Um, yes, Calgary sir. has hot chocolate fest, and I can't remember when it happens. Oh, it's it happens in February. But there's a whole month dedicated to like hot chocolate. And it's like all these different coffee shops and different places will just do all these different things. So maybe there needs to be a one-off show just so Isaac can just dabble with all the hot chocolates here. <laughs> he, he would freak out, but I'm not going to lie, man. I do not want to come to Calgary in February. Um, yes, respect. respectfully, I've, I've, that's enough. I've done it. I've done it. I don't ever need to do it again. So... <laughs> yeah it's it's always funny when i'm telling bands like we want you to come and tour western canada just don't come from like october to march you know <laughs> Unless I, you're like- I could i could probably fill a podcast about western canada tour stories to be <laughs> to be honest well, you with know you. but you uh, know w- yeah there's, we'll, we'll definitely carve uh, out a space for that <laughs> on, on this it's one. a time it's yeah a time. it's a time um so, so Caleb, before we get into some of the niche things, um, I always ask any new guest who comes on the show uh, a little bit about how they got, you know, how they got their start in hardcore, or, you know, what their origin story is. Um, yeah. I know that, you know, some people like to give the really condensed version. Some people give like the giant medieval scroll version. So whatever, whatever side of the coin that you fall on as far as, uh, you know, how in depth you want to go. Um, but just take me back in time to when you were first finding out about all this shit. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I can probably keep it pretty pretty short and sweet. So uh, I graduated high school in, wow, this is going to date me, uh, 2006. And, uh, and I, I, went, I lived around Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I moved to Columbia, Missouri to attend for, for college. And uh, mm, how do I put this uh, delicately? I really sucked at it. I didn't really apply myself at all. Um, so I ended up just kind of like um, – I met some guys who who worked at and owned uh, a tattoo shop in Columbia, Missouri. And um, 
I had been, you know, I listened to like punk music and, you know, things like that. Like I'd been to Warp Tour when I was a kid and like, that's when like Warp Tour was cool. It was like no effects and like anti-flag and stuff like that. So uh, it was, is is actually, you know, a good inter- introduction to kind of like more mainstream, like punk rock. Um, so like that was kind of my initial in, but then, you know, I met these guys and like, you know, like uh, two of them are brothers and have like the blood for blood skull tattooed on their hands. And so oh, I, okay. I, I had, yeah, it's, it's, it's like that. So I had a, a kind of a, like a crappy, like hand-me-down bass guitar from my, from my, uh, my aunt and, um, they needed somebody to learn how to learn to, they needed a bass player and I kind of had a musical background. So, uh, I started doing that and I just kind of like, if I wasn't dropping out of college before, I definitely was now. Um, so <laughs> that was the, you catalyst. know, and, and, and it, you know, and it, and it started out like, uh, it was mainly like, kind of like, you know, because hardcore back then was a, had a lot more kind of like punk rock influence in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but we, and this was around the time when like those smaller towns, like not like big cities in the States, but like smaller towns of like, you know, a hundred thousand people um, would get like crazy shows come through and they were right. always really, really wild. Um, so we, we started booking bands um, in town and uh you know we started going on tours and i think my, my first tour was only uh a couple days long but there were three bands packed in one van no trailer all the gear like everyone like people sitting on the floor like and back then uh the best part is there was no like if you wanted to use gps on your phone like good luck um you, you weren't <laughs> gonna pull out the you, big old map oh, and man. you're like i no, think no, no, we're so around we would, here <laughs> we would go to like a FedEx or uh, I guess it was Kinko's back then. It wasn't even FedEx. And right. we would okay. print off map, map quest directions to the next show. Um, like, Bro. so, you know, and all, you know, all these guys were, were like probably like five or six years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of my end. Uh, we played shows around the Midwest and I, I met um, a lot of people who I'm still friends with today, including Tyler. Like I've known Tyler for dude, probably 15 years now. And like, I met him on, you know, one of the very first, like, you know, tours I ever did. Um, so it was, it was like, the, it was like that for a lot of people in the Midwest. Like we would all, we all knew each other, even though we all lived like six or eight hours away. Cause we would drive to shows cause we, you know, not as many bands would come through. Right. Um, and so those friendships eventually just blossomed into like doing more and more bands and, uh, I just, I, I, you know, I never, I never really, I never really looked back. I, it, I really found a place where I felt like I belong, belonged because I, I, I didn't feel like I belonged. Um, I didn't feel right doing like the, you know, graduate high school, go to college thing. Uh, that pipeline right. at that point wasn't for me. Um, and you know, I, I think uh, it, it definitely like really, it, it was is you know, it's still a huge part of my life. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't really know who I'd be without it. Totally. And yeah, I think, I think a lot of people can, can relate like myself included of like always being in those like forced social situations, whether it's like high school or like uh post-secondary or even just like the, the social things within that, whether it's like going to like a party or things like that. And, and for myself, mm-hmm. like I always felt like I I feel like I would need to change drastically to actually have some level of enjoyment. And I don't want to do that because like I have this <laughs> sense of identity with like, you know, this yeah. music, but like 
you know, I'm, but you know, it's, it's two sided. I'm not expecting these people to like, you know, I'm, I'm showing this, them this music and some people are either having this really adverse reaction, like what, you know, I went to like a Christian high schools growing up and everyone's like, what is this Satan music? And I'm like, uh, this is a band off, off of face down, you know, like, so, you know, they're actually talking about Jesus and all that kind of stuff. But so either having a super adverse reaction or, or people who could tolerate it, but they just didn't get it. And I think right. uh, up until going to, you know, any kind of local show uh, and just feeling that energy and that sense of community is like what kind of was like, I don't know. I would probably be a lesser version of myself if I bended and just didn't f- discover that. It's it's kind of like a saving grace, kind of be like, oh, no, it's okay to, to feel the way that you do and have the interest that you do as well. Right. I think let me let me talk about two, and I don't I don't need to go in depth about them. There were two shows that were that weren't just like local shows that were very like formative for me to kind of like cement that like this is what I like I, to cement like how much I loved it. Please. Um, I can't I could I couldn't remember the year if you put a gun to my head, but I'm gonna say 2005, 2006. Um, the old El Torreon in Kansas City, Missouri was it was Comeback Kid and Champion. Um, are we frozen? Oh no, we're we're okay. Now you're frozen oh, on my end. For a second. And then, um, <laughs> also at the old El Torreon in Kansas City was uh, the first time I saw Madball, and they were on a Ferret Records tour when they were on Ferret with uh, a band called Underminded. Mm-hmm. So those were two very like I'll never forget like in Kansas City, um, this like like neo Nazi dude like got on stage during the Madball set. And this is like Madball. I think they were touring like with security pretty much. And I just, this, this dude gets on stage and like, it's like Sig Hiles and just gets the shit kicked out of him in front of the entire room full of people by Madball security. And that was kind of just like, okay, like I'm in like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that's the, the first really formative show. Did you say that there was a second one as well? Those those are two two separate shows. Oh, those are two separate shows. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It was Champion yeah. and Comeback Kid were on tour, um, and then I can't remember what year that Madball show was, but those those were the two shows that really just kind of like those were all those will always stick in my brain. It's like my you know, it wasn't just like a dinky like local show at a VFW hall. Which don't get me wrong, those are great, but like this is this was my first time seeing like bands like on that level. Right. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm thinking back to like, um you kind of can't anticipate like what that show moment is for someone else. Cause like there there's, there's people new and old who have come on this podcast where they're like, um, have hearts initial last show was like the thing that really like opened my eyes and like wanted me to get into this to like fast forwarding to like when they reunited, like there's been bands and people that have gotten into hardcore because they went to those shows because it was such a big deal. So right. I think it's like really cool when it, you know, whether it's like a band's last show or reunion show, a fest, like in even as small as just a local show, like that could be the like the original like, you know, planting of seeds to to put it uh that way just of like you never know. And I think like showing up and, you know, whether you're the band playing or the person putting on the show, like always bring it, not, not devaluing it. It's like, oh, it's just like 
a Wednesday night, whatever show with a bunch of, you know, people that I know. It's like, you never know there there could be one kid, kid in the room that's discovering that for the first time who becomes the next Scott Vogel 20 years later. You, you never know. Yeah, that's, that's true. And it's, it's really just like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that that's the path my life took. Like it, I would be a completely different person if I hadn't found this. So yeah. Right. Um, you, you mentioned a little earlier uh, as far as like, um, you know, I, I don't know if you were playing bass out of necessity kind of at the beginning, but yeah, that was one of my first questions was like, were you always like a bass player or were you like, you know, cause I think a lot of hardcore bands are like, I play bass because, you know, there was already the guitar position was already filled. So I was kind of curious, like, were you always just rocking four strings or did you want to do, you know, a, a full six string kind of setup? I, I mean, I can, I, um, I, I picked up both uh, when I was probably like 15 or 16. Uh, I have a brother, a younger brother who's we're, we're pretty close in age. He's only like 15 months younger than me. So like we kind of grew up doing the same things at the same time. Um, and he was just a much better guitar player than I was. Um, so I was just kind of like, okay, well that's his thing. So I'm going to make the bass guitar, my thing. Um, Got you. Okay. so I, and I, and, and to, to your point, like, um, a lot of, a lot of hardcore bands do just kind of have like, Hey man, we need a bass player. Like you want to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it's just like their friend who um, either like just wasn't a very good guitar player or just wants, just wants to be in a band. But, um, no, I, um, I, I, you know, I, I love, I love playing bass. Um, I, I, it's, it's, I like playing bass when you like, kind of like get in the pocket with the drummer and like, you feel like, like that vibe is, 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 is such, such like a cool feeling. Um, and also like might be, kind of rough but like a lot of people who play bass in hardcore bands stink like they're bad at it they're bad at it and their bass their bass gear sounds like shit um and it, it makes me just kind of like you dude like can you do just do a little bit better yeah it, it, it's it's pretty funny because it's like i i think a lot of people joke at th- that hardcore is the best genre of music for shitty musicians at times because you don't have to be a phenomenal guitar player to play in you know <laughs> Uh, a youth crew band or or anything like that but when you are really uh, dude, good I musician, so, ha, have you seen how fast those dudes hands move come on <laughs> that right that right hand is crazy yeah but i i think that there's a lot i think the excess you know i I'm, I'm talking a little smack but i think what's really really great about that on on the more optimistic side of things is like um hardcore punk you know any kind of heavy music most brands of heavy music are very accessible whether you're like you have a you know six months of experience playing guitar bass yeah versus like six years so you know obviously like you know most people like there's so many scenarios in in big or small where it's like oh like this person just joined the band and then they were learning how to play that instrument while they were uh start like malachi from scow is like a great example he's like just sang and then he wanted to start a band with cat and he was like i don't know how to play guitar i'm just gonna figure it out and now they're like one of the most talked about bands going on tour with limb biscuit in a couple weeks so i think man that's such a that's that's such a crazy thing that's like i saw that and just like all right that's so wild i think that's like 
top three craziest tours of this year and this year isn't even half over like i think just looking at the poster i'm like this this doesn't make sense to me it's too weird it's too weird to happen it's it's like it's like it's like this like weird like it like came from this weird bizarro bizarro world where limp biscuit takes like hardcore bands on tour so oh that rocks that's 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 great for that band yeah i also think the uh the the lore as far as like I think Limbiscuit was like talking about them on like a YouTube com like they commented on a music video of theirs from their like YouTube yeah, channel. It, it came and about, then that's what kind of started. Somehow. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like I don't know if I'm ever gonna be able to interview any members of uh Limbiscuit on the podcast, you know, knock on wood. That would be sick. But that would be one of my first initial questions. Like, so which which came first? How did you discover this man? Um but <laughs> jumping back how jumping we, back to how did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> Fred, I have questions. Um, so going back to the to the bass side of things, so it was almost like there was a little bit of interest on the guitar, but since your brother was already doing it, you were like, "Well, I have to, I have to, you know, carve my own lane and do my own thing." So I'm going to do this. And you're clear, and you're clearly passionate about like, yeah, there's some people that are doing this role of the band, and they're kind of either doing it half-assed or they're not, not taking it as seriously. So I think that there's a couple things there that we can hit on. So um, maybe before we get into that, you also mentioned gear as like kind of being like a crucial, like are you a gear nerd when it comes to bass stuff or are you kind of like mid? Like where, where do you fall on like the I'm, super nerdy to like I don't give a fuck level? Um, I, I'm definitely nowhere close to the I don't, I don't give a fuck level. I'm very particular <laughs> about like, about what I use. Um, I can, you know, it's, it's, it's a, I, I have a, and every, every member of every band I've ever been in has always hated it. Cause I always, I always have a big giant, heavy full tube, uh, bass amp that is miserable to carry and miserable to pack up and miserable to lug around. But, um, nothing really, nothing touches it. Nothing, nothing gets close to that sound. Um, I'm also like a, like a, like a serial, like adjuster, uh, as far as like trying to get, trying to get, trying to get tone, right. I'm very critical of my own, uh, my own tone. Um, yeah, I, I, it's always, I always want it to be a certain way in my head and when it's not, it's like, like a mental block that I can't get past. So, um, I wouldn't necessarily like call myself like a, like a gear nerd. Um, I know what I like and I don't really stray from it much um sure every once in a while i'll like experiment with some other some other pedals uh and and some of that's really really worked out um i don't have like this giant pedal board uh, i but i i do uh i do usually run like a pretty like overdriven and, and distorted bass tone and, and i think from a lot of years um spent playing in a band that only that only had one guitar player um i i really had to like fill um, a lot more than I would have had to if, if there, if, you know, if it was a, a five piece band. So I, right. I really like, mm. I think that, I think that it's important to, um, you know, if, if you're a bass player in a hardcore band, like own it and make it cool. And like, like, uh, listen, you know, pay attention to the records that, that you like, where you think the bass tone is really cool and like try to emulate that or, or make your own thing, but just, yeah, like just own it playing bass is awesome it's, it's a lot more fun there's way less to worry about a lot of times 
Yeah, I, I've gotten to play bass in a couple projects, and I don't think that I've had more fun with just like the level of like, oh, I don't have to really like, I have to focus on one string versus like a combination of three because I'm doing a power chord or things well, like that. Well, unless, unless, unless you're an inclination and half the songs are bass chords and it's, it's yeah. not, there's a lot more. With, there's a lot bass, more. Bass power chords are definitely an, in my opinion, an underutilized aspect in hardcore. Um, but oh, th- for that's, sure. you know, that's getting a little bit more on that, that nerdy side. I, I love that you said that you have a very heavy, um, like tube head. That's like kind of, um, you know, it's like, all right, who's going to help me do this? Cause I, cause when I think of just bass gear in general, it's always like the fridge, the eight ten. that's like, oh, we have to, it's the community effort to move this, but it's like that plus the crazy <laughs> so, head. <laughs> and and what sucks is is I think in inside the road case, um, my head weighs almost as much as an A10. It's, Are it's, you it's not serious. It's yeah, man. It's it's not far off. I think I think in the case, my head is like 120 pounds. Um, it's it's pretty brutal. Shout out to uh, to Tyler and Peter uh, for always always being down to help me move it around good thing we only play like like you know eight shows a year they'd probably kill me (laughs) yeah if if inclination (laughs) was the full-time touring band that you know that i think a lot of people are like oh that would be sick it's like well the gear is pretty heavy so you know there might be (laughs) i'm too (laughs) i'm too old to lug that thing around every night now dude i i used to be very like there was a stage for me where I was a gear nerd because I was working at a, I was working at a guitar store or like a music, a local music store. So it was like always trying out different things and like swapping things out. Always cared about how it looked. As soon as I had like a road case and I had to ask people, like I think my my <laughs> um, my bass player who is uh, he he he's ten years older than me, so he was kind of like the actual dad of the band, and he kind of sat right. me down. He's like, bro. I know that you're stoked on all this gear shit, but like you need to be able to like do this shit yourself and not just be like, all right, who's helping me? Like, yeah, it was just one of those. It was a good, it was a good lesson unless it's like needed. Then, you know, I was just like, it looks cool beside the cab. (laughs) I can, I can lug it around by myself, but like getting that thing like up the chest level and then putting it on top of an A10, I, I I should not do that. um, If I want to (laughs) like, walk the next day um so it's 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 pretty rough but it's you know i think i think anyone and and that's ever that i've ever like had the pleasure of that i've had the pleasure of playing in a band with um will agree that it's worth it (laughs) oh totally and i i try i I try to bring something to the table uh that that you know at least tone wise that um seem that you know isn't isn't super typical yeah um, and, and kind of circling back to another thing you said, as far as like the, when you can get like it dialed in with, um, with your drummer, as far as like doing those like bass only kind of sections where it's like super punchy and it's just like super syncopated. Um, it really r- reminds me of when, um, when, uh, Kevin from knock loose was, uh, on the podcast and talking about his kind of connection to pack sun when they're doing knocked stuff. And it's like, it's just so apparent when it's like. It's not like, oh yeah, just kind of strum whatever versus like, no, we're like the kicks and you know, the strumming oh, you, is like you, super, yeah, you, super on point. You, you like, yeah, you like, you feel it. And like, I, I've like, I've never, 
Um, anytime I've ever played a stage that has monitors, I don't want to hear anything but kick drum and snare. I don't want, mm. I don't need guitar. I don't need myself. I definitely don't need vocals. Um, all, for me, it's just, I just need, I need kick and snare. Cause that's, that's, that's the basis for the kind of music we play. That's, mm-hmm. that's it. That's what starts it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I never thought that I would learn someone's preference of like what they need in their monitor from a show through this podcast. But I, I, I love that. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, I mean, it is what it is. I just, <laughs> I, I just kick, kick snare. That's all I need. Give me, give me, yeah. give me a lot of kick and snare. Yeah. It, well, it, it really is super individual. Cause like, you know, as someone that film shows, you know, I'm, I'm on stage as the band is like about to play. Cause I, I want to catch that first initial moment right to the end. And so it's like learning the, I need all vocal, like the certain drummers and certain bands would be like, I need all vocals and no guitar. And then some, some person like, Oh, I need the other guitar player. So yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, so, uh, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, Caleb, I've had, you know, Tyler and, and, uh, and Isaac on the show to talk about how inclination kind of started. Um, but I do want to kind of hear your uh, entry point into that through your lens as well. Um, so yeah. yeah, talk to me about like the origin of like when you first um, either learned about that or like, you know, what, you know, cause I think there, that there was a, there was definitely a gap of time for when I was seeing you, playing a lot of shows and just in different bands um and then so i was like i was like oh caleb's in this band and it got me excited again so tell me about like the start and how that kind of yeah. hit your radar yeah for sure um so my my old band uh that we can talk about or not talk about or it's not it's not an off-limit topic it is what it is uh we were on tour uh we we brought knock loose on tour in europe with us and um in europe a lot of times you show up to shows like you know eight hours early um and you can generally get into the venues pretty early too so i think um isaac and i were just kind of like like just like man it'd be cool if like we did like a straight edge man like like we should you know it should sound like this and like and like this and um if you if anybody knows isaac he's like uh probably honestly probably the most talented musician i i know the 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 way that isaac can take like like an idea and very 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 quickly and efficiently turn it into like physical music is is crazy i've I've never seen anybody do it like him um so he would just start like kind of like noodling around like before shows just like you know just playing his guitar like yeah like oh yeah we wanted to sound we wanted to be like like really nineties and be like buried alive and one came down and, and, and you know, kind of also bring in these, these like cool melodic aspects and a bunch of chorus pedal. And um, yeah. So, you know, we, that, that tour ended and I can't remember what the length of time was uh, between that tour ending and, and Isaac having at least like instrumentals, like roughs, like scratch tracks done for, for a demo, but it was, it was, pretty quick we knew Ty. we knew we wanted tyler singing it because like like we talked about earlier like i've known tyler for a really long time he's been one of my best friends for you know 10 plus years mm-hmm. um it's we knew we want I've, and I've, I've always wanted to do a band with him always um it just it just like never really lined up and uh it did and then um we uh we brought peter on who's like 
it's so the, the band is so like up Peter's alley. Uh, and I, I didn't really know Peter super well before the band. Um, cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not from Kentucky. I, I moved here seven or eight years ago. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a train, I'm a transplant. Really the only one that I like really knew, um, before, like, you know, I knew Isaac from like playing shows together and, and, and stuff like that. And like, um, I knew people from like playing a bunch of shows in Louisville. Um, but Peter's like, Peter's like a full on adult with like a real life. And, uh, I don't know if I had ever like really met Peter for real until like a couple months before the band became a thing, but like Peter rocks. Um, we had a couple ideas for drummers and none of those panned out. Luckily, um, our friend Brian, who plays in like risk meat razor and stuff, uh, was the drummer for the band for, for the first little while. And then, um, he kind of moved on to other things. Um, and so, so Chris, uh, from harm's way was actually one of our like original ideas for a drummer. Um, and it just so happened to kind of like work out where like he can do that for us now. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really like, it's really taken the band to another level. Cause like seeing Chris play shows for so long, like Chris isn't, Chris is in like an insane drummer. He's like, Absolutely. he's, he's like, for me, he's like top five, top five drummers in hardcore easy. Mm-hmm. No question about it. Um, so like, it's, it's really like, I don't know, it's, it's cool to like get to play music with people that you've always like wanted to play music with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's, that's kind of how the, how the band, um, kind of came in, in, into existence. Um, and then our first show was kind of like, um, we played the LDB pre-show in, 2018 okay yeah that checks out i i can't i honestly can't remember what year it was it might have been 2017 mm-hmm. i legitimately can't remember anymore I'm, I'm, I'm my brain is full of mush um but yeah that was our we our, our first like actual show was the pre-show and then we played like a surprise set at the fest uh the next night and it was just like you know kind of history um yeah you know we're you know we're, we're not like a super active band like we all have a lot of other things going on in our lives um, but like, yeah, it's great. Like, I love it. I love that. I love that I can still like have that connection with my friends. Cause I, you know, for a while, um, I didn't really know if I'd continue playing music, um, at least in like, you know, this, this arena, but, um, I love it. It, it means a lot to me. Inclination is actually the first straight edge man I've ever been into. So it's, uh, oh, okay yeah never never done one before and i i couldn't couldn't handpick four better people to do it with Hmm. no yeah that's very cool and like i appreciate you kind of explaining the little bit of the lore because it was um it was expiring and knock loose in europe that was the kind of initial thing so Mm -hmm. um yeah so like even being literally on the opposite side of the world with a friend of yours playing in a totally different band just to like kick around the idea and then like fast forward multiple years later now it's all you know coming to be it's very similar to how like the band that i was playing in initially started where um three of the original members myself included were at a fest in vancouver and being like you're on that you kind of get on that show high especially like at a fest you're like man hardcore is so sick when you're you're just like like, assault assaulted with it for like days and hours and (laughs) 
Yeah, and then it was like, oh man, like I, I learned that uh, my singer and my original bass player wanted to start a band, and and I had been filming shows for so long and not playing music, and I was like, I I need to be on the other side of this lens, and I need to be doing something, and uh, and all it took was going to an entirely different you know province to be able to do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think so. W- something that's kind of interesting. There, there's two pieces I want to break down there. So you know, inclination is like, it's not just like a, like a Kentucky straight edge band. It was like Midwest straight edge. So before Chris, because he's in like the Chicago area, I'm I'm assuming, was you kind of being outside of that? What made it like Midwest straight edge? Because it sounds like all the original members outside of yourself were all based there. So were you the catalyst to make it more broad? I, I, Tyler just said that that's what he wanted to call the demo. And okay. that's what it was. Cause it's mm-hmm. like Kentucky is kind of this weird thing. Cause Louisville, in, in my opinion, Louisville is the Midwest where I live is not where I, okay. where I live somehow, even though it's only like an hour and a half away, um, feels a lot more like the South than Louisville mm-hmm. does. Um, so I don't, I don't really, I don't know what Tyler's catalyst for wanting to name the record that was, but, uh, I'm, com- I, I think, I think that, um, people probably would have not thought it was cool if we called, if we called the demo Kentucky straight edge, that just for some, I don't, for some reason that just doesn't sound nearly as cool. So I'm glad right. that that wasn't his, that wasn't his call. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you guys were even a vegan straight edge band, like Kentucky vegan straight edge would be like an oxymoron of itself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, no, that that's, maybe that's something I would need to ask him. Um, it was like, was it Caleb that you wanted to make it broader? Cause he didn't want to do that. Um, but the second piece I want to break down was, you know, Chris joining the band, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, staying in the pocket with a drummer. So having a drummer switch, just on a broad scale, it's like, you know, I, I feel like there's kind of levels as far as like what is like what kind of changes dynamics wise of a band. I think like a, a brand new vocalist is like that is the soul of the band. So when you swap that out, there's a yeah, lot for sure. of, you, then, you know, then you, yeah, that's, that, that's a weird one for sure. Then you get into like weird Shiloh territory. <laughs> um you should right right here you should flash that wikipedia article of all the members of shy Hulub. it's like 30 <laughs> cells long yeah it's oh man i i don't even i don't i've never been in that position where it's been like a, a vocalist switch that happens when a band is so established most of the time mm-hmm. when i've only been in one scenario where we've switched it where it was like right at the beginning and we had like played two shows with um the, yeah. with this person and he wanted to do other things which was totally fine but most of the time when you're that deep into it you're just like oh i think we should just start a, a new project but <laughs> yeah it's just i guess not quits. for them um <laughs> but yeah so i think vocalist is at the top there but you know so many guitar players and bass players are interchangeable um yeah you know, it's not that everyone is replaceable but i think it's just a lot easier of like this is the riff this is the part and you feel that drums is kind of like this little bit of an in-between slot where it is a lot of that but there is like more style and 
especially in in your department uh, with having that connection to like the base. So when when Chris joined up with you, like was that supernatural, like just getting in with him, or was there like, oh, there's like a lot of things that were different when Prosser was playing the drums that that we need to to fine tune here. It was it was super easy, and I and I remember Chris's first practice with with us. He came in and like he played everything. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. Ex- exactly like it was recorded, like like a like a machine. Um, so it was at least from that aspect, it was very easy. He made it very easy to just kind of go with him, um, and especially like he he recorded the drums on uh, on on the new songs. Um, and he really like, you can tell like on, on the songs that he like recorded, um, he kind of is, he's to the point now where he's like very comfortable, like kind of throwing in his own style with things. But I mean, he's been, Chris has been doing it for so long and he's such, he's such like a talented drummer. And he's also kind of in the same vein that I am like, he's very, very particular. Um, he, he's, and he's very critical of himself when he doesn't do something as good as he thinks he could, he could do it. Um, so he, he, he always comes in, like he came to the first practice, extremely prepared and he comes to every show extremely prepared. Um, and he's like, yeah, he, he plays drums like it's his job. Um, <laughs> cause he's, he's, he's very, you know, it, it really wasn't, um, a transition issue, um, at, at all. Uh, he's, yeah. he's, He's really real, a very good drummer, and it's, it's, and it's very easy to kind of like get in that groove with him. Yeah, I really like that how you said it. There is like playing that because a lot of people doing hardcore, whether you're in a super big band or a really small band, you like it's having fun and the passion kind of first. But there is a lot of like this is my responsibility, this is my job, this is my role on the team of the group of guys or group of you know, whatever that I'm a part of and not taking that seriously, whether you're the vocalist, bass player, drummer, it can really show. And I feel like the bands that really take it seriously when, and especially when you're in like a big setting, like a fest, you know, like someone, someone said something to me where it's like playing a fest is where you have your, like your game face on because like people are like looking up at you and kind of deciding within the first couple songs, like, is this a band that I'm going to watch or is this a band that I'm going to skip to use the bathroom, to go get food, to go hang out with other people? So um, right. having that, to me, when I heard that, I'm trying to apply that same mindset, even if we're playing a local show, like even if we're doing that. So it's just like so like, you know, you can just tell that's that that person gives a shit about their, their role. And if the entire mm-hmm. band is doing that, then it's just, you know, and, you're and off to the races. It's, it's, it's important to realize that you can, you can do that and still have, have fun. Oh, oh, totally, um, it's, totally. it's, it's finding, it's, it's finding the balance of the two and, and realizing that like, at the end of the day, like we're all here playing, playing loud, aggressive music. And it's, we're not, we're not, you know, making like groundbreaking musical strides and we're all we're all doing to to varying degrees something that's already been done before um sure. so it's it's you can't you, ha- you you can't take the fun out of it and if, if you do it, it becomes then it really does become like just like you're going to work and, and your job sucks <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i i have to constantly remind myself that it's like 
as much as the the stresses of like doing these different things, like take a breath and find those moments just to, like to be thankful and like stoked about what's happening. Uh, like before, during and after your set. So, um, you know, I think something when Isaac was on the show talking about like he it seemed that inclination was like this is just going to be a local band. We're going to do these things. And then the things just really exploded every release you know um and you know you guys have this lp coming up and it's like i think that's going to be really the trajectory but what's what's you know going back to what you're saying like some of the guys in this band aren't like these eager young 20 year olds who are like yeah let's take on every single opportunity it's like we actually none, can't. None of, that's none not of us are. <laughs> that's not our lifestyle like i got other bands i got other responsibilities so maybe like one of the questions I had is like, what is something that maybe you didn't expect expect inclination to be when, you know, you and Isaac were first talking about it and then getting going, but you were like pleasantly surprised that it became that. Um, as soon as I heard the, the demo that Isaac wrote, I had no doubt about where it was going. Um, as soon as I heard the demo, I was just bummed that we weren't going to be able to be a full-time band. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't have any doubts about the reception, uh, that it would get. Um, it's cool. Like it's cool that like, you know, so quickly after, after things kind of were coming out that we were like asked to play like cool festival and, you know, we've got to play, this is hardcore. We got to play sound and fury and, and stuff like that. So, um, I, I, I like that. I like that we can just kind of, because we have to be, we can be picky about what we do. Sure. Um, we, we don't, you know, we don't need to go play Evansville, Indiana on a, on a Wednesday night. No offense. Well, full offense, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't need to ever do that in my life. Full offense. So right. yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, but no, I mean, I, it might sound, it might sound a little, it might sound a little, a little conceited, but like, as soon as, as soon as I heard, um, what Isaac had written, I, I knew, I knew where it was going to go. It, it, right. it wasn't a doubt in my mind. Um, so obviously a lot of people who, who know you knew, knew that you were playing in expire. And one thing that kind of how I look at it and you can correct the record or say yes or no to this, to me, if it felt like expire was like, maybe it didn't become like the, the, as big as some of the bands that are like really killing it now, but you guys like definitely like did a lot and like had a lot of, you know, like people coming out. Like I think expire is a, is a reason for a lot of people getting into hardcore. So, and I'm using, I'm using this term cause I heard it through, um, through a colleague of mine is like, do you think that playing an inclination, despite it not being maybe a full-time thing, you know, because you kind of got to scratch that with expire do you feel like inclination is kind of like a kind of like a uh, what is that like kind of like a victory lap, so to speak? Like you did the like super busy hardcore band and now you're getting to do these crazier opportunities, but on a more like we can choose what we want to do basic. Do you is that is that on base or is there extra things that you want I, to add in there? I, I guess I guess I've never really I've never really, really looked at it like that. Um, I'm, 
I guess for my own health and for the happiness of my wife, uh, it's, it's, it's a great thing that inclination is not like playing 250 shows a year. Um, but not really like there aren't really like hardcore bands that do that anymore. There aren't, there aren't bands that, that, uh, you know, for a full year are, you know, three weeks on two weeks off, three weeks on two weeks off. It, it just doesn't, it's, it's, it doesn't happen anymore. Um, and I, I don't know how much of that like is, is due to, is due to COVID kind of taking control of everything for a while, but it seemed like things were kind of trending that way. Um, pre pre COVID COVID pandemic. So I, I guess I don't really consider it, consider it, um, like a, like a victory lap because the demo came out, um, pretty quick. I think it was pretty, pretty soon after, after, uh, expire broke up. And like I was, you know, after that band ended and before all the horrible shit happened, I, you know, I sat down and, and kind of weighed my options where, you know, I could have joined a different band and continued touring full time. Um, but like my, my now wife and I had been dating for three years. I was living here in Lexington already. Um, so I, I really, I really had like a decision to make, like, is this, is this what I want to keep on doing or is it time to pivot and kind of shift, shift music into more of like a, like a hobby, mm. um, something I still really enjoy, but something that's not my job anymore. Um, and ha- doing music as my full-time job was like wonderful. It was awesome. Um, but I, I, I felt like I had, I had checked off a lot of boxes that I wanted to check off. Um, but there's definitely boxes that like I've already checked that I want to, that, that like I want to check off with inclination to like, there's a couple like really cool international spots I want to hit. Uh, there's, there's a lot of cities in the U S that I, that I would love to play. Um, and, and especially like, I, I also really want, um, this band to be the reason that, uh, Tyler Shorten gets to like, go to Japan or, or something <laughs> like that. Like, I, I think that, uh, I think that seeing Tyler and like, yeah, not, not just like, not just like a foreign country, but like a foreign country that's like so completely different than what he's used to will be like a really entertaining experience for, for me. Um, I, I would, I would really, really enjoy it. So mm. I don't know. I mean, I'm, um, I don't know. I, I don't really know how to, how to approach that. I guess, I don't know if victory lap is, is the right word. Um, but to me, they're just kind of two, two separate animals. Mm. Um, all that, all that stuff feels like, uh, you know, a lifetime ago. I've, I've done so many things since then that it's, it's, it's weird, not weird. It's always kind of like shocking to be like, Oh, that was like, that was only like, you know, six years ago. Right. It's, it's kind of shocking to think about that every time. So mm. I don't know. I, I think that, I think that the, that the trajectory of the band has, has been um, great and I'm very, and I'm very thankful for it. And hopefully uh, that, that path continues and we keep getting opportunities to maybe, maybe check off a couple more, a couple, re, you know, I guess recheck a couple of those boxes and uh, get them checked for the first time for, for Tyler and Peter yeah. as well. Uh, Tyler's giddiness when I was talking to him at Promcore, uh, when constraint, uh, was playing his giddiness to go international because, you know, obviously <laughs> when, when you guys came up to play, um, 
uh, Evan Shaw's memorial show, uh, and Tyler was like, uh, "What's the what's the correct term to use here? Like a uh, what's like a dead weight is putting it lightly as far as him just like not being able to stand and being on crutches via via LDB. So yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's a story of its own uh, that, you know, we definitely covered a lot on his podcast. But talking to him at Promcore where he was like, dude, I've never been outside the country. And now, you know, fast forward a year later and, you know, you you know, he's going to hit Calgary twice uh, in, in one month. Don't jinx it. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, sorry. Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. We'll see if Tyler comes to Calgary this time. Right now, for, right now we're 0 for 1. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the uh, the odds are uh, not well. No, what the odds are in your favor, but the uh, you know we, oh, we don't want to jinx it for sure. They're definitely in his favor. I'm I'm gonna tell him he has to like put himself on like house arrest for like the you know the two weeks before the show. He's Straight not allowed. Up. He's not allowed to. Well, okay. So there's having um, <laughs> having uh, LDB inside of a inside of a skate park was like just an accident waiting for happen to Tyler. Cause one, he's going to go mosh for like 95 to 99% or no, let's just call it a hundred, hundred percent of the bands. He's going to go mosh. Um, and then you also put, uh, put him in a place where he can skateboard. Um, just game, game over. It, the it, the risk levels known. are through the riff. Yeah. If, if I, if I had seen him skating, I would have like put him in timeout. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, well, I said two times, but I, it's, it's actually three. It's like it's Wild Rose for inclination. It's scope five year for constraint, and then, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, hold your ground fest in Toronto uh, for right. for constraint again. So you know, he's getting all of it, all the Canada this year, and uh, I hope I hope all the other international stuff that he and and you guys want to do. Uh, but to go back to where we were talking about, like. Um, you know, as far as it being a victory lap. Yeah. Like I, I guess like one, one question and that could be one of the, you know, before we start to segue into other things is like, I think that every band that you play in the good, bad, the ugly of all those experience, you take those lessons and you apply that to the next band. And I feel like, you know, whether it's showing up, like, like you mentioned, Chris, uh, just being super on board, you know, I'm sure that everybody's been in a band where it's like, Oh, I wish I had done that differently. And then you just apply those lessons for the, the other projects that you've been in. So maybe one of the last questions I could ask you on that subject is like, what do you think is like the biggest personal lesson you learned while you were in expire that you apply to playing in inclination? I guess, I mean, especially towards, towards the end of that, um, towards the end of that band, it it really, and and up until our last tour, um, it really did. Uh, it felt like, it felt like work. Mm. Um, and, and and I think that's just because, because, um, it just wasn't, it just wasn't like a fun environment anymore. And like, once the call was made, like, okay, well, like this is our last tour. Um, it it instantly, it instantly felt more fun again, uh, because there wasn't like, okay, like, like, all, all, you know, we're not worried about, we're not worried about like numbers here, like attendance at this show or how many pre-sales there are, like anything like that. Like I, I didn't, none of it mattered anymore. Um, and that's, that's kind of like, I had to like check myself and be like, 
you know, this should be fun. If, if it's not fun, um, you shouldn't do it anymore. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, that's another thing I could do a whole podcast is, is, is lessons, lessons I learned, uh, in, in that band. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was what it was. Um, I can, I, I, I'm able to kind of separate now, uh, this, you know, X number of years later, I'm able, I'm able to separate the good from the bad a lot. Um, for the longest time, it really became this thing where like, and, and, you know, sometimes I still catch myself, might catch myself going there. I, 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 I had to go back and like, look at like, you know, hyperanalyze all these situations and be like, was this actually fun or like was something like sinister and terrible and awful going on? And like, I was just too oblivious right. to see it. Hmm. Um, so, and you know, the, the, the dynamic of the band towards the end was just all was very strange anyway. Um, none of us were really like friends with Zach anymore, uh, for, you know, the last like year of the band. Um, he, we, we would show up to a show and he would just like fuck off. And me, Josh and Marcus would just kind of like hang out with whoever we were on tour with, and, like have fun or go get food or go get coffee. So it, it became this thing where it's just like, it, it also, I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that like, you should, you should pay more attention to how your, your friends or acquaintances or, or people that you are in proximity with, how they, how they treat people. Um, Cause I'm sure there were signs. I was just too not, not numb or disinterested. I had just been in, in, in this environment for so long where maybe it was just like, like normalized. Um, and, and, you know, I, I really did spend a lot of time like post post all that happening, like really like analyzing what ever, everything that had happened for, for, you know, that like eight or nine years. And, and, and a lot of it, like, you know, having to like cast it on in a, in a different light. So I think like the biggest lesson I can, I can kind of carry over is, is just like, just check, check your friends and stuff like this is still going on. And like every day, like, like it, it, it comes out that, that some other, some other male involved in the hardcore scene is just like being a piece of shit. And it, it's just this, it's this nonstop cycle. And like, I don't think it's, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. I don't think sure. it's enough that people, I don't think it's enough that people like that are just like ostracized from hardcore. Like that's not like, that's not, that's not good enough. Cause then it's going to, you're, everybody's just going to forget about it. Um, I do, do I know what, what the proper course of action is? No, but I think that maybe if, if somehow there were more severe consequences, it, it wouldn't continue to happen because it keeps happening over and over and over again. So I, I don't know. That's, I guess just check your friends, pay attention to who you're around. Don't just, don't just speak up if, if you see behavior that you don't think is acceptable, regardless of what the outcome will be. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I appreciate you being, you know, open and, and, uh, uh, vulnerable about that because I, I think anyone that's been in this space, uh, for over, you know, a, a considerable amount of time versus like, oh, I'm in hardcore for like, you know, like being a six month face or whatever you want to call that. Like once you actually like understand the culture, you've made your own mark being in a band or, you know, doing a zine or like you, you're, you're invested. You're, you're not, you're like, I am not going anywhere. You can see those things. And sometimes 
sometimes I struggle with the whole like, like we don't have a defined like measuring stick when it comes to a lot of these things. It's kind of like a very black and white kind of like this person's a great person and then this person is being canceled for X reason. And very, various like, things. Yeah. And and I think I, I totally agree with you that like bands have broken up. People have like left or not wanted to do anything because they've had some kind of sinful scrutiny, for lack of a better term, t- that maybe was unjustified, maybe just got taken out of proportion or out of context or like all these different things. And I don't and and I, I totally agree with you. I don't know what the answer is as far as like having some kind of I don't know if it's having some kind of structure that when these things do come up that it can be handled in a certain like borderline adult way because I find yeah, a lot I of mean, these I things are just so wild west the half the time. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I do think that I think that there are a lot of moments where there's just a gut feeling of like, no, this person is like not welcome like i think that was like very very clear uh i think in in your in your situation i i've just seen too many times where it's like people give that same energy without kind of like maybe like have having that measuring stick of like is this the same because it's getting the same attention or it's being mm-hmm. addressed the same way and that's where i have a bit of a problem with it but again like we're we are not here on this podcast to like lay out what it <laughs> needs to be i think this is just two guys who are like you know trying to have that conversation and 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 hopefully because I'm, I'm saying this all for the people who are listening who who might be getting like a little uh, like i think that this podcast for me opens up conversations for people to think critically. And then, you know, maybe that inspires ideas of what actually needs to be in place um, for, for anything that kind of goes down. Um, Yeah, it's, it's very messy. um, But I think it is super important because I think one thing from, from a, a total outsider's perspective is like when all this stuff was happening, like obviously like all the survivors and all, all their, you know, circle friends and families like i was thinking about that but i was also thinking about like all the people that i knew on like a genuine level like not even just in expire but also in like i'm thinking about like jimmy um and i remember i remember i did an interview one of my very first interviews with this podcast was with mitch when uh like this was right when low end started touring and he was still in a place of like i'm not comfortable like and i wasn't forcing him but he was like i was trying to like this is not something that i'm gonna be forcing him to discuss your dogs given the uh yeah so i think i think somebody like breathed outside and they're not allowed to because it's his it's his street yeah (laughs) um but like remembering that you know if one band is quote unquote you know tossed to the garbage there's three to four other members of that band that most of the time don't stand for for those actions but they're in these positions now where it's like hey maybe you know you're doing your band full time and then now it's like like there's a lot of reflection that i'm sure that you had done and maybe some people just assume that you you weren't like thinking critically about that i, I don't yeah, i don't know and, if i'm and, and, for you i don't know 
No, no, no. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but on, on kind of on the flip side of that, like I never, I never wanted or expected or, um, I never wanted or expected anybody to, to know or, or care or believe my side of the story because the things that were coming out were so unbelievably like horrible, like hor- just horrifying, like just like treating another person like they are just, sorry, he's barking again. No, that's not good. <laughs> I'll, I'll shut the door a little bit. Um, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I said everything I said when all that came out because I wanted to be transparent. Um, I wanted to take a very transparent stance about where everybody else in the band stood. And I think that, that anybody who personally um, knows me now or knew me then or, or whatever um, knew, knew, hopefully knew me well enough to know what my reaction would have been if I had been aware of all the things that were going on. Right. Um, but I didn't just expect anybody to like, believe me or take what I said at face value. And and I, and I wasn't, you know, I, I never wanted anybody to feel any sort of, any sort of sympathy or, or anything like that for myself or, or Josh or Marcus, because that wasn't our place. That wasn't our, nobody owed us that. Right. Um, it, what, you know, I, I, I think it, you know, the, the, the people that deserve the attention and, and got to, share what happened to them and and kind of like you know come in a lot of cases come clean about something that they've been holding in for so long because they felt like no action would be taken or nobody would care they were they were powerless to to um make make this person accountable for what they did um i i guess i can i can look at what happened in, in a positive light only only in that sense that these people got to got to finally say something that they'd been like holding on to and had been like just eating away at them in a, in a lot of cases. So, um, I don't, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Um, it, it feels like it was like 20 years ago, but it was like six. Um, yeah. I hope that, I hope that Zach Deere's fucking miserable somewhere. Who knows where he is? <laughs> yeah, that, I, again, I appreciate you sharing this. I wasn't going in thinking that we would even hit on expire. And because it is that thing where it's like, it's so like on the surface, it's like, Ooh, I don't know if this should talk yeah, about this. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's something that I've, that I've always tried to be very, um, even if it was uncomfortable, it's something that I've always tried to be very transparent about because I think that's important. I think that, um, if somebody wanted to come up to me and, and just be like, Hey, like, did you know, like what was happening? And I I would have the same honest conversation with them. Um, not, not, not in like a defensive, like it wasn't me, it wasn't me sort of thing, but just because I feel like somebody needed to, needed to kind of take a stand and like put a public face on about it. And, um, because, and not, not offer an apology, but try to, I guess, try to direct, direct the conversation off of like, I guess, direct the attention where it needed to be put. And that wasn't on any of us. Um, as far as like, we like, I'm not saying like, don't like, you know, the people that were like, Oh, well they knew, they knew, they knew. It was like, you, everybody is perfectly entitled to that opinion. I never would, I never would 
argue that and I never expected anybody to just like believe that we didn't we didn't know what was going on so it's you know it's I've, I've had so many conversations with with people because like you know for for the longest time and kind of the reason that I that I think that 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 band stopped being fun um was because we just kind of felt like all of the all of like the the guy the, all the people in bands that we used to be friends with didn't like us anymore and in you know we didn't ever understand why we didn't we were like oh well it must be because like you know we're we're doing these weird mixed bill tours or like we're we're kind of like i guess to for lack of a better word we were we we, we kind of like turned into this like gateway hardcore band that was like easily accessible for people um to kind of like dip their toe in the water and, and for better or for worse like if they got people involved in hardcore that's cool i think that's great um that's that's something that i can kind of always um kind of like be be happy about but like i i you know i don't i don't know it's just but it, it, it came I've, I've had i've had this conversation with so many of of those guys now like all people that we used to tour with and like we'd see them around the country over and over again and then eventually we would see them less and less and less and less and you know they'd talk we talked to them less and less and less and less but like seeing seeing people like that now um you know years later down the road like I, we've i've had open conversations with people like hey man like sorry stuff got really weird for a while we just all fucking hated zach it's like mm-hmm. i just wish somebody would have told me i wish somebody would have you know i mean it's because it, there's i i, I don't know because it, it sucks that you know i don't know and it's just it is what it is it's yeah. everybody everybody involved in hardcore is like better off with like that person nowhere around it anymore um right. it's 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 yeah so I th- I think maybe one thing that I can add to kind of like broaden it and then we can move on to some of the, the other topics that I have is like, I think I'll, there's a lot of assumptions that are made when it comes to hardcore stuff, like across the board. It's like someone leaves a band and someone thinks like, oh, do you guys have beef? Or like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, hey, there's maybe a, the person like, like didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and most times it's like, like the band I play in now, it's like we've had a lot of, member changes only because the band got bigger and that kind of like certain people in the band are like oh shit i actually can't do that or i have a thing that i have to do and so people make assumptions about that people make assumptions about how a record's gonna sound and like oh it has singing it's going in this direction it's like it's just one track with singing like let's calm down everyone (laughs) so i think like allowing people to say like speak their speak their not their side but just like allowing to listen first versus just like emotionally respond to something a lot of the time is just something I try to say for for people because I sometimes I just see things get so off the rails and I and I think a lot of people forget that like these are there's there's this is like four dudes or five dudes in a band that are at the end of the day just making art and people rush to like drag through the mud try to grab something and make get a little bit of like you know attention off of that so yeah maybe like the overarching thing is like don't assume 
and allow for like the uncomfortable conversations if it if it's at those stakes, you know? Like and I I commend you for like even so many years later it's not like I talked about this, I put out the tweet, you know, whatever. <laughs> like it's it's something that you know, you're you clearly like you're talking about it because you care about not like how you make yourself look, but just like getting it so it's like hey, like I, I don't want a, a shadow of a, of a doubt. I want it to just be always like crystal clear. And if that's a touch point back to it, you know, I feel like if someone's rushing up to you at an inclination show in 2022 and asking you about that, it's like you could do a little bit of homework at the very least. But um, yeah, um, I mean, I've had, I've had people come up like after shows like, oh, man, like I love expired. I'm just like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> OK, all right. So, uh, yeah, it's always, I, I just don't say that too loud, uh, but it, you know, I, you know, um, it's, it's, it's something that I'll always, uh, you know, I'll always be, um, I'll always be very open about it and, and kind of, you know, take, take whatever criticism, um, take whatever criticism needs to be had because of it, because somebody's got to do it. He tucked tail and ran. Mm. Um, okay. Total topic change. Cause we've, uh, Let's do it. you know, uh, you're into cycling, heavily into cycling. It seems. Yes. Yes. Just, just the nut. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. I thought, um, I, thought, I thought there, I thought there was more to that statement. I didn't know if there was, no, I, I was just like, oh yeah. But, uh, so <laughs> have, has that, has that always been something like, did that come like very early in life or has that been like kind of a more recent like i feel like everyone's picked up all these new passions and hobbies uh since the pandemic they're like i have all this free time i'm gonna start doing this i'm gonna do this um so where (laughs) in the timeline was like i want to be on two wheels and um Um, are you are you like a a mountain cyclist or are you like urban like you're in the streets like or you do both I'm, i'm not sure break break down that whole thing for me yeah, so it's it's actually it's actually been a hobby of mine for for quite a while. I um, so when I first moved to Columbia, Missouri, um, I uh, let's see, I saw somebody riding a really cool bike. Uh, this was probably two thousand seven or two thousand eight, and I was like, I you know what, I like bikes. I think I'm gonna get into cycling. Um, and when I when I get into something, I get really into it, and I have to like I have to like you know, I'm, I have to do things myself. I'm like, learn myself and do a bunch of research and stuff like that. So, um, I, I put together, uh, I ordered a bunch of parts and I built up, um, like my first bike was just, just like fixed gear bicycle that every, every, you know, back then every, everybody was riding fixed gear bikes. Um, and me kind of, um, you know, I, I lived pretty close to, to a bike shop. Um, and I would always like go there and like ask them questions. And like, if I needed something installed that I couldn't do on my own, like they would always, they would help me out, stuff like that. Um, and eventually I started, um, I started working there as, as a mechanic. Um, so that was kind of my into like, uh, real, like, I guess like real bikes, if that's like actually cycling. Um, cause I, you know, this, you know, working there, I'd get like a discount on things. I could afford nicer stuff at, you know, my, my, my poor, 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 uh, poor amount of money I had to my name. Um, what was your so discount? that's, uh, it's it pretty good. I think on most things it was, it was, um, 
it was like 40%. Basically, we, Damn. yeah, it was, Crazy. it was, it was very good. I, I had, I had way more valuable bikes than I should have had. Um, so <laughs> I got, um, <laughs> um, I, I started, I started mountain biking. I started doing cyclocross. Um, I never really was like a, a road guy. Um, I've never, never really been like a big road, road cycling guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved, um, when I moved away from Columbia, I kind of like, didn't do it as much anymore. Like I had less and less free time. I worked at a bike shop when I first moved to Milwaukee. Uh, but then like touring full-time happened, I would go mountain biking and stuff in my free time. Um, and then when I moved here to, uh, to Lexington, um, it just, it's, it's just always kind of been something that, that I've, that I've enjoyed doing. It's, it's, it's something I like tinkering. I like fixing things. And, um, I like, I like riding a bike. I like being outside. So, uh, mainly here I, I do, um, I do a lot of like gravel riding. Um, and, and a lot of, uh, I, I mean, I went mountain biking this morning with my, with my father-in-law. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a thing for a while. Like you mentioned over the pandemic, like I did have quite a few friends that like decided they want to get in, get into cycling for the first time. Like, like Isaac bought a bike all based off suggestions I made him and like, I put it together for him and stuff like that. Like my mm-hmm. friend Dave who sings in weapon X, uh, kind of like also decided he wanted to do it. And like, you know, Dave and Isaac and I go ride sometimes whenever I go up to Louisville, Dave's coming on here a couple of times, but, um, yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's a, it's a great hobby. Um, kind of an expensive hobby if you really, if you really get into it. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, just kind of always been something I've done. I've, I've, um, I'm excited to get to ride more cause I'll have a lot more free time. Uh, I'm actually in my, my last semester of undergrad at the university of Kentucky for mechanical engineering. So I'm two weeks away from graduating. So then I'll only have to work full time instead of work and school full time. <laughs> Dude, I, I can't imagine how you do that. Um, yeah. And I, I totally forget the, um, yeah. When, when someone sometimes, yeah, I totally forget that. Like when someone like, Oh, like my bike was stolen and it's like a custom bike. I'm like, like how, how much have, how, well, I don't know if you want to disclose how much one of your bikes is worth, but, um, how much could have, mm, how do I ask this without putting you on blast for how expensive your bike is? Or, or do you oh, have man. that like under lock and key? <laughs> I mean, I, I, if somebody, uh, if somebody were to break into my garage right now, um, I, I'd be, I'd be out a lot of, a lot of money, um, <laughs> okay. five, 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 five figures. Okay. Damn. And don't and, tell anybody my address. You, I don't know your address. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many bikes is that over? Is like, I, I doubt you have one five figure. Well, there's, bike. so there's, there's, there's two that are like really, really nice. Uh, and then two that are just kind of worth maybe a couple hundred bucks a piece. Got you. Okay. So it's like, you got two nice machines and then like, you know, sprinkle in a couple of, uh, you know, just whatever fixer uppers. Um, yeah. My, but- so I, today, today was actually, uh, the inaugural ride on, on my new, uh, my new mountain bike that my, my wife bought me as a graduation present. Cause she's the absolute best. So that mm-hmm. was a really, really good time. And she rocks. How much of the difference do you see between the two main bikes that you have? Is is there because I have this stress, like I'm not a car person. I hate taking things apart and putting it back together because I don't trust myself that like I'm not gonna put in that one screw 
and then I'm it's just my wheels gonna go off or like you know right my, right that is just not me as a person like I'm way more like I, I I trust fully for other people to do that but um do you feel that difference when you're going between these two, two bikes or is it too early to tell based off you just giving it oh they're the they're, they're two they're two very different things like my 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 mountain bike is is a mountain bike it's not really comfortable to do any other sort of riding on sure. um and the other my other like main bicycle is it's kind of a mix between a, a it's it's mainly meant for just like gravel riding like it looks like a road bike but has much thicker tires on it um okay they you know it's it's one's got like the drop one's got drop bars the other one's just straight mountain bike handlebars so they're they're very different feels for very different things but i just mm. I, I i i like to tinker and i i fix I, whatever I can fix on my own, I fix on my own. I, I enjoy learning how to do stuff like that. Sorry, someone is emitting a beep. What the fuck is going mm. on? No. I can't hear it at all. No, it, it's on my end. It's like someone's trying to FaceTime me right now. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <laughs> It's my wife calling on Facebook, and I forgot I had the tab open. Jordan, she's can you mark that you for me? On Facebook. Yeah, she's doing an audio call. Oh, she's off closer <laughs> to five. Um, okay, uh, I will. Okay, let me close this Facebook tab now. I was like, where, where is this coming from? Um, okay. Um, so maybe one of the the final questions that I can ask on the actual bike side of things, because I've always wanted to have my own bike, but I feel like the the custom side of all that seems very daunting to me. It's like, okay, like where do I start? Like, so if you, there was like one piece of advice that you would get to me or anyone else listening who's like, I wanna, I want, I want to spend a decent chunk of money on a good bike. What do mm -hmm. I need? What is like the most important question I need to ask? What is like the most impo important piece of the entire pie that I need to like not cheap out on? What are your thoughts? I think really the most important question is just kind of what, what kind of riding do you want to do? And really like I like it's and that can vary by, by where you live, things like that. So I really, I, I would recommend just going and going in and talking to somebody at like your local bike shop, telling them, the kind of riding you want to do, how much money your budget is. And, you know, they'll, they'll get you set up in the right direction. And, um, I always encourage people to, uh, to buy from their local bike shop, uh, as opposed to like online retailers or, or things like that. Cause usually like the, you know, a new bike from your local bike shop will have like some sort of service package with it. Um, you'll, you know, if something goes wrong, you know, exactly who to call. Um, and, and that's, that's an important relationship to develop with something to develop, especially with something that you're spending, you know, a substantial amount of money on. Totally. Um, yeah, that's great. I, uh, I think this, this, this conversation is inspiring that maybe 2022 is the year that, uh, that spicy gets its own bike. Cause it's finally like getting into summertime here in Canada. So, you know, it's, we try to relish in that as much as we can before the snow yeah, comes you, back yeah, around. Enjoy, en enjoy it while you can for your three months a year. Yeah. Um, Caleb, this has been a great conversation. Uh, the very last question that I ask every single guest who comes on is to share a favorite Mosh-related story. 
Um, and that could be something that you did, something that happened to you, happened in a band that you were playing in, just happened at a show that you were just attending and watching. Whatever is fresh to your mind is how we start to wrap up. I think it's okay. I think it's so cringy to talk about Mosh, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so I, I've, I've got, um, I have two pretty, I have two good ones. So yeah. the, the first time that we ever went to Europe, uh, we went with foundation. I think it was 2000 and I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know years anymore. Whatever year it was, uh, that was our first time in Europe. And, um, I, I love that band. Um, I love that band. And, um, I had never been to Europe before. I didn't know what the hardcore scene was like over there. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect, but I knew that I was going to mosh to foundation every night. Uh, and they, they mosh in Europe. Um, they don't really hit each other. It's not really like, it, they always like stop, like just like just short of like, you know, clocking somebody. Sure. Um, so I, I think it was, we were somewhere in, in Germany and, um, I think foundation was playing, playing fireproof and, and I'm like up front singing along and I, and I start moshing and I, I completely forget. I, I, I'm like, okay, like you need to take it easy. Like you don't want to hurt somebody like this. People aren't used to what you're going to do, like be respectful. And I just like blacked out and I, um, <laughs> I accidentally, <laughs> I accidentally like came around and I hit this, I hit this guy so hard that he ended up, um, laying on the stage, like at some, at like the guitar player's feet. Um, and I, I didn't, I felt so bad. Um, and I, I don't think I moshed for the rest of that tour, even though I really wanted to, um, another time let's he was see, laying we unconscious were, like this. I, I don't know if he was fully unconscious, but he wasn't having a very good time. He, he got the he got the wind out of his sails. Yeah, because I, I, I hit him in the ch- I hit it well, I, I hit him in the chest. So it, and it just oh, like it, okay. it, it put him it put him up and onto the stage, like because he was just standing, and the stage was probably like not chest height, but somewhere between like chest and belly button. Sure. Um, one more, chest and this this is this is this is this is a fun one that Tyler likes to tell too. Um, Let's see. We were in, we were on tour with another mistake and we were playing Birmingham, Alabama. And I think there was a band from Texas called vulgar display. They were also on the tour and, and vulgar display was playing and Tyler was moshing as he does. Um, and there was, there was a, there was like a local guy at the show who like, you could tell like, was just, just, this is my show. Like, this is my scene. Like, blah, blah. He, he was getting so mad about Tyler moshing and Tyler, like, I don't think Tyler hit it, but I think Tyler got like a little bit too close to the guy. Mm. And so the guy, the guy comes up behind Tyler and literally like puts him in like a, like a choke and picks him up off the, off the ground. Um, and then, sees all the people from the tour looking at him, like looking at him and knowing he just did a really bad thing. Um, and I, I also don't remember this and Tyler swears it's exactly what happened, but Tyler says, I like 
picked, I like put the guy on the wall and kind of held him up there and just kind of like <laughs> waited to see what he was going to do. Um, and his girlfriend came up like freaking out, like yelling at me. And I felt really bad, but like, like I protect Tyler short at all costs. So it's just kind of, <laughs> it is what it is, but I, I'm, I'm too, uh, I'm too, I'm too old. I'm too old to mosh. I don't, I don't, I'll hurt myself now. I can't, I'll, I'll, I'll hyperextend my elbow every time or get kicked in the shins or do something really stupid. So yeah. I just, uh, I'm a much less active participant now. I leave that to the, to the Tyler shorts of the world. Yeah. The, uh, I just love that, the visual ooh, of that same tour. I did accidentally kick Tyler directly in the chest, like full on, like he was going that way. I was going this way and just put my foot directly, but on his sternum. He was, he I wasn't feel, very happy. With I feel, me. I feel like your kill shot is people's chest. It sounds like, you know, it's not, it's not to. breaking. <laughs> I don't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. So, you know, next time you say, see Caleb Mosh spontaneously, because it's like some hang on, hang band doing a cover, just, you know, cover your <laughs> chest. Um, no, it's not going to happen. This has been a super, super fun conversation. Uh, really excited to, to see you for, um, you know, the inclination sets for Wild Rose. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's going to be other potential opportunities of running into you. Uh, all your links and all the band links and all that good stuff will be in the show notes. Uh, but if there's anything you want to shout out, plug, or send the people off with before we wrap up, the floor is yours. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. It's probably already been beat to a dead horse by the people that have come on the podcast. But I, I still um, – I can't believe how good that Foreign Hands EP is. It's absolutely unbelievable, and I, I'll plug it. I'll plug it every chance I get. Um, I don't know if I really have anything else. Uh, I mean, Louisville hardcore is in a really cool spot right now. There's, there's tons, there's tons of good bands coming out. Um, might be a, might be a little Louisville hardcore surprise on, on wild Rose. So, uh, be there, be square. I'm not going to say anything else about it. Uh, I'll probably get yelled at for saying something about it now, but it is what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, Caleb, uh, really, a pleasure to talk to you um and yeah very excited to to see you rock um as this episode wraps up i'm gonna i'll be playing that inclination uh track off the ldb comp uh i don't know if i'm gonna when i was asking tyler i'm like what should i say about the comp he's like oh it's coming up at some point you know because i was like there's no like <laughs> it's, pr I mean, it's, like it's, write up of <laughs> it's very it's very up in the air um as far especially with like pressing plant delays and things like that totally. and, and also like Tyler short being who he is. Everything is very, um, off the cuff spur of the moment. Like the guy has so much going on all at the same time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a compilation of, of Louisville hardcore bands. Um, some of the tracks are original songs. Some of the tracks are covers. Ours is a cover by a, a, a mid nineties Louisville band called by the grace of God. Um, okay. the, the tracks, the track is called November's lie. Um, it's, uh, about how the American political system is a dumpster fire. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, for yeah, those that's, that have that's kinda... <laughs> tuned in for the full episode, that will roll as soon as we're wrapped up here. Um, Caleb, uh, pleasure was all mine, friend. And uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Wait, do you want to meet my dogs? Yes.
Hands on our souls, but your hands can't touch us. Oh.